Welcome back, everybody, to day two of the four days of Christmas as we give you another free Patreon episode post-Christmas for you to enjoy. This one is when we analyze 911 calls, and this time we have a couple calls we're taking a look at. One is pretty tragic. The other one is pretty weird, and you can find both of these at patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. Come join us over there. Murph and I are taking the week off, enjoying vacation, enjoying Christmas. We hope you're doing the same thing. In the meantime, we thought we'd give you something, which is insight into some of our episodes, some of the ones we really have fun with. So 911, what's your emergency? Or as Murph likes to say, 199, what's happening? These are the things that really go on in real life, and we break them down. We give you insights that you may not have heard before, and we see what you think about the calls as well. So join us at patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. Now, let's get ready for 911. What's your emergency? Before you ask why this is late, the dog ate our podcast. The dog ate our recording. It ate my headphones. It ate the mic. And I don't even have a dog. So that's my excuse. <laughs> the dog ate my homework. <laughs> dog ate my homework. Hey, guys, we are a couple days late getting this out. We apologize again. It's one of those things. It's just schedules. It's the holiday season. It's Merry Christmas. It's, you know, it's all that good stuff going on. So, but I do, to make up for that, first of all, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the December edition of the correct term is 911, what's your emergency? But translated for Floridians and people in Orlando, it's 199. 199, what be happening out there, fellas? What'd you do now? What, what the hell is 911? Who shot who? All right. So, hey, but for this for this one, first of all, before we get started, as always, we thank you, our players out there at all levels. Uh, Evil is coming, uh, Guardian of the Realm and Warden of the Throne. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You give us two things, time and money. We can always replace money, but we can never replace time. So, and in the spirit of the giving season, you know, the Christmas season, we want to give you thanks. Absolutely. We could seriously, you know, we say the same thing every week. I know we do. And, and I just can't think of better words than to say thank you. We could not do this without you. We appreciate your continued support. We appreciate when you tell others about it. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday here in Orlando who said, I listened to your podcast. And when you guys do the small town uh, uh, blooper police thing, the, you know, the yeah, small town police blotter. I can't remember. 125 episodes, and you don't remember what it is. Uh, well, I, I knew a small town something, but they said that's one of the funniest things they hear. And, and, and this came from somebody that I would never expect to say that. So, uh, your feedback is we want it, we want to hear from you what you like, what you don't like, and, and we'll keep trying to do as much good stuff as we can for you. As good, and the more you drink, the better we sound. So just yes, remember that, folks, for you folks playing at home. And just remember, too, Morgan has a face for radio. That's why we don't do video. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about that, Murph. Speaking hey, of on, that. Got another free T-shirt today. Can you see it? Yeah, and actually, you know what? We're going to put out the video on this one just because, remember, I had it set up to record audio and video, <laughs> but I thought we were doing it for Warden of the Throne. I was wrong. It was set up for 911. So guess what, folks? We may even throw in a video on this one. Well, wait a minute. Do you have the video on the right program right now? I believe I do. All right. Well, there you go. <laughs> we will find well, out at I'd the end. If I'd known that, I'd have put on a better shirt. <laughs> now, that's a good shirt. That's a good shirt. Uh, by the way, real quickly before we get, before we get going, uh, Murph is in a state of mourning. Uh, no, it's evening. No, a state of mourning. Oh, oh, don't, don't even start. <laughs> I can't, how can one? No, team, I'm in a state of evening. I'm in a state of evening. What are you in a state of afternoon too? I, I'm a state of Florida. How can one team who's been the national champion for the last two years who lose one game and can't even make the top four? There is. Did you realize there's not a single SEC team in the playoffs this year? What's Alabama? Fifth. No, Alabama's fourth. No, uh, they weren't this morning, unless it's changed. It, it is. It is Michigan, uh, number one. Washington, number two. Texas, number three, and Alabama, number four. No kidding. Who did not get in was Florida State. It's the first uh, Power Five, uh, and their ACC did not get in. So no, it's uh, Michigan versus Alabama. Oh well, then they've changed it because we looked this morning, and and uh, well, hey, Nick Saban, go roll tide. Unbelievable. But, you're, but you're right. Georgia loses one game and they're out. 
And they they were, you know, they dropped down to number two for a few weeks behind Ohio State, who then blew it to Michigan. I just don't get it. I don't. Uh, this was this is why you got to expand the playoff. I, I like what they do in the uh, F. Uh, this is the FCS football championship series, whatever the, the the lower divisions, South Dakota State's in there, North Dakota State. I mean, they do a real playoff. So by the time you get there, you've earned your stripes. All right, now wait a minute. I'm looking at a. a at the chart, Michigan, Washington, Texas, Florida State, Alabama's number five. No, no, you got to look at what they did for this. Look up CFP playoffs. Sorry, everybody. This is important <laughs> stuff. <laughs> this is important shit. Okay, what do we got here? You're right. Alabama's number five. All right, roll tide. You know, what? I'm a saving fan. <laughs> you're from Kansas and you were a trooper, man. I don't know whether to believe you or not. You know? And who was right again, once again? Finally, thank you, thank you very much, thank you. Well, let's get, let's get into our calls because I've got everybody. <laughs> what I did to make it a little bit more interesting, right? Because I mean, it, I don't want to dive in so much on one call because it's kind of like you got to keep going. You got to do a lot of uh, pull in a lot of information to make it go mm -hmm. for an hour. And I thought, hey, let's split it up and let's do two calls because that way we can kind of get to the juicy parts. And so we're going to do two calls, and I guarantee you, one of these calls, Murph is going to is going to blow your mind. All right. All right, hey, but let's get, let, now see our listeners get two shots to be sleuths. Yes, that's right. So let's go to the first call. All right. This first call happens in March of 2023. This just happened, Murph. Okay. This just happened. So let's hear the call as it was came in in March 15th of 2023. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Here we go. 911, what is the address of the emergency? Get off this house. Um, What's the um, address? Boca Inn, um, Boca Inn Hotel. My son is not responding. It's like he's gasping for air. Can you please? Okay, I'll send you some help. I'll be right Boca here. Boca Inn, Boca Inn, Boca Inn Hotel. Okay. Boca Inn, can you please send them? Ma'am. Please send okay, them. I have the call. Boca is this 1801 Hotel. North Federal Highway? Room, what room number is he in? Okay. Please right. just come on. He's... Come right in. Do you understand? 
We outside. We outside. Okay. As soon as you see my paramedics, you just let me know, okay? We're going to check his breathing together to make sure it's all right. When I say go, watch him closely and tell me each time his chest rises. Are you ready? Right here. Right here. Hello. Hello. Okay. Who is she talking to? Is that the paramedics? No. Is she in contact with the paramedic there, ma'am? Hello. Yes. Okay. Who who is she talking to? Is that a paramedic or someone else? Okay. If that's the paramedics, we can disconnect. Okay. Wow. I had to mute. You know what? God bless that dispatcher for maintaining her cool. That Those two people absolutely do not deserve to have a child in their custody. You talk about dumb and dumber. Oh, my gosh. Mm. So this this is this is going to be an interesting one to work through. So why do you think why do you think I used this particular call? What could be the reason that the child is wheezing? I'm going to guess the child got into some drug that uh, some illegal drug that they left laying around that the child could get access to it, uh, or if it's fentanyl, you know, could absorb through their pores, uh, airborne. I don't know. Uh, it has to be something illegal drug related. That or they've beat the child to the point where it's having a hard time breathing. Well, um, once police and fire rescues got on scene, they had to perform life-saving measures uh, and the baby regained a slight pulse. So the baby did die on the scene. Mm. And the doctors revived the baby boy after giving him Narcan. God bless it. I swear. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. Um, according to the according to the report, the baby became exposed to a narcotic, stopped breathing, and went into full cardiac arrest when his mother handed him over to the rescue crews just after 9 p.m. on March 13th at the Boca Inn on North Federal Highway in Boca Raton, Florida. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I hate it that this happened in Florida. I hate that it happens anywhere, but damn. I, I, yeah, what nine, you, nine month old. Out, it's just outrageous. I mean, seven month old, seven month old boy. So, how does a seven month old ingest um, what uh, is believed to be fentanyl? Because if you have to use Narcan, yep. uh, most likely it's fentanyl. Yeah, it's opioid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's the question. And uh, you know what? I mean, the child's safety and life is the first priority here. And the second is get the uniforms there and Jackie's two people up. Find out what the heck happened. How did the kid get access? So, um, uh, obviously, at this point, you know, um, after the life-saving measures, they start wondering what's going on. So, they start interviewing the parents now. Mm-hmm. According to the investigators, they questioned the parents about what happened, and both parents initially gave the same story, which was the baby boy had a recent cold and had been wheezing from time to time. According to uh, the report, the baby's mother, 26-year-old Geekia Drakel Hunter, said she put the baby down for a nap. A short time later, she noticed the baby started to make gargling noise. Um, the mother told police she became concerned her baby couldn't breathe, so she went to wake him up, but couldn't. That's when she called 911. Yeah, this this one kind of makes you mad. So, um, so, But you get there, and it's obvious something is wrong. I mean, they don't know at the time. Let me put it this way. They don't know at the time that that's what happened. But um, they, uh, the, the doctors, so they do, they, they do basically CPR at the scene. And then um, once he is at the hospital, the minute you give them Narcan and it reverses uh, the opioid overdose, that's when I think it starts to become, uh, that's when law enforcement starts taking, you know, because really when you get there, right, think about this, as dumb as they were on this, and they were just, they couldn't, I, I get it, parents are upset, but could not listen. They're trying to, the, the dispatcher, like said, God bless her, trying to give life-saving instructions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
and they are just, you got, you know, you just called 10 seconds ago. Nobody's going to get there right away. And I get it. You know, they're, they're, hey, I want somebody here now. So, and see, that was one of the things we talked about before when we analyzed 911 calls. Where's the sense of urgency? Do they need somebody here now? Get me some help now. You know, where's it at? So she had like the proper sense of urgency, but things didn't start adding up, right? Why is the baby gargling? To your point, Mm -hmm. when I first heard this and I was just listening to the calls, kind of like you kind of hit on it too. Um, Was it child abuse? I mean, they're, look, number one, they're living, they're calling from a a room and a hotel and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, a budget, you know, low budget hotel, right? So... Not to say that you should infer something from that, but, you know, when you're living in a hotel like that, then you start worrying about, okay, what are their circumstances? What else is going on? Is this temporary? Is this, uh, you know, are they transitory? Uh, you know, are, is that where they're living? Yep. So, I, just, I just Googled Boca Air Hotel and it doesn't even come up on a website. Uh, <laughs> you know why? Because it's, it's a by the hour. <laughs> Boca, it's the, well, it's the Boca Inn on North Federal Highway, Boca Inn, I-N-N. So while you do that, um, but let's just kind of go through that. So um, they start, these things start happening, you know, the parents uh, go to the hospital. So uh, the 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 father or the boyfriend is called Bionle Jolicure. I think it's J-O-L-I-C-O-E-U-R, C-O-E-U-R. Yeah, common spelling, Jolicure. Um, and so they, uh, you know, start looking into this. Uh, and so they want to check into the hotel room where the couple checked in just two days earlier. So um, they go in and they search. And guess what? I bet they find something that has fentanyl in it. Police found a white rock-like substance which field tested positive for butyl fentanyl. In a, now, here's the thing. To your point, Murph, how does it get ingested into the kid? Right. So, they found the, the fentanyl in a dresser drawer. Police also found baby clothing in that same drawer. On top of the dresser, police found two straws that contained a white residue inside. Police also found white residue on top of the dresser. On the floor, police found a similar straw and kids' toys. On a desk, police found chicken and rice from Pollo, uh, or Polo Tropical. Pollo's. Boy, well, it's. I think it's polo tropical because um, I don't think it's chicken tropical. I think it's polo. It's no, it's pollo tropical. Pollo we tropical. have those. We have those here too. Oh, you do? Yeah, in Orlando. What, what, what do they serve? Tropical chicken? Well, it's 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 like Caribbean chicken. Caribbean J- Jamaican jerk chicken or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not that hot, but pollo tropical. Okay, so. I gotta say something. I'm looking at the pictures on the website for this end. They got one of a police car sitting out front. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a clue when you start doing Google Street View or you know the picture, and it's kind of like, well, yeah, we visit here all the time. Oh my gosh! Uh, you know, I mean, you gotta laugh about this because this is so pathetic. Well, their their marketing for the Boca Inn is look, we're safe because the cops are here all the time. Yeah. <laughs> just set up a precinct here. Yeah, we just set up, you know, a, a sub precinct, you know, just a mobile precinct right here. So, so that that starts letting you know then um, how does it get ingested? How does the kid absorb it? And you're right. So it's like you know what they're going to do is they're going to grab their clothing. They put kids put their fingers in their mouth, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's all over the carpet. So, and remember, it does not take very much to poison somebody with fentanyl. Mm-hmm. I mean. And especially a seventh-month-old that maybe weighs, what, 15 pounds or something, if that, you know? Right. 20 pounds. You know, um, there is a picture if you go to facesoffentanyl.net, and it shows a penny. And then it shows the amount of fentanyl that it takes to to basically poison somebody. It's ridiculous how small it is. I mean, it's almost, it's not that it's imperceptible, but it's so small. If you were, if you were running your hand across uh, something, you would, you might think it was just dust, you know, Mm -hmm. or a covering. It it is so small. And like you say, once that gets into something where you ingest it, um, you know, that's potentially game over. Yeah. And we're talking, you know, if you look at a grain of salt, how small that is, it's like three to five grains of fentanyl. As small as that is, it's enough to kill a human being. And that's a grown human being. So a seven-month-old baby, it's not going to take nearly that much. So police being police, um, and they do some policing, so they question the boy's father, 27-year-old Bionle Jolicure. Um, Now, of course, guess what he does? He denies, oh, it's not mine. Don't know anything about it. But then they showed him what they found. 
This mm. this reminds me of those stories that we do on small town police blotter and on you can't make this shit up to where like you bring somebody in and you search them at the jail and you find drugs hidden up their anus, you know, in their rectum and they go, that's not mine. Well, <laughs> how to get there? How to get there? Well, I did sit on a public toilet today. I guess it crawled yeah, up my ass. I, you know, I was sitting there. I felt something, you know, thought it was my proctologist, you know. <laughs> You heard about the proctologist reached into his pocket, pulled out a thermometer, and said, "Shit, some assholes got my pin." <laughs> <laughs> I had not heard that. But thank you very much. Thank I'll be here all week. Um, try the chicken; it's it's amazing. Yeah. So, <laughs> Pollo Tropical. Pollo Tropical. Yeah, that's right. So, so they question the father, and of course, he says, "Not mine." And then they show him what they found. Um, then he says, oh, "Okay, yeah, I guess those are those straws. The straws are mine." Um, he also admitted to using the straws to snort narcotics, but denied doing it on this night. Like somehow that's going to absolve you of guilt. Okay. Yeah. I robbed banks, but I didn't rob a bank today. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, and he said the straws were old from a long time ago and he planned to throw them out. They'd only been in there two days. So what do you do, pal? Do you pack these things up and cart them around with you and then unfold them and put them out like you would put clothing? It's just, oh, look, here's my straws I snort butyl fentanyl with. I think I will take them around with me and and, and unload them at this next hotel. You know, I, t- I told my kids when growing up, and I still preach on this every once in a while when I get on my little pedestal, there are reasons and there are excuses. All he's coming up with is excuses. He's not offering any responsible reasons as to what's going on there. So cops being cops, police being police, and they do some more policing. Uh, they decide to talk to the mother. Um, Shock Murph, what do you think the mother did? Oh, she's probably, yeah. I, I, just get here now. Just get here now. Just get here now. Just get here now. Man, I just, you just want to slap that woman. Uh, well, she also denied. She said, I didn't use any type of drugs, but then they changed again when they showed her what they found in the room. And according to reports, she says her boyfriend, the father's or the baby's father has been selling heroin. Oh, well, now we just stepped up a little bit, didn't we? <laughs> After calling 911, she said she asked Jolla Cure if the baby couldn't have got, could have gotten into his stuff. She said he said he had no idea how he could have gotten into it. Mm. But that somehow he did. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, think about this for a second. I don't mean to interrupt you. I know you're getting ready to tell some more good stuff here, but what chance does this child have with these two morons? About zero, right? Zero. Unbelievable. But so, and I'm hoping at the end we find out that the kid's good and they're going to prison and the kid will, you know, have a chance at life. So, uh, of course, she throws him under the bus. She says all the drugs in the hotel room all belong to Jolicure, according to the uh, reports. But she also said she used a straw to snort heroin off a napkin with Jolicure. Hunter faces charges of child neglect, causing great bodily injury, possession of fentanyl, and tampering with physical evidence. So where does tampering with physical evidence come into it? Well, that cheap-ass little end, apparently they have video surveillance. (laughs) And the video surveillance gave police even more evidence against the couple. According to the arrest report, the video showed Hunter, the mother, yeah. throwing out a bag of trash before fire rescue crews arrived. That's why when mm-hmm. she handed the baby over to mm-hmm. uh, the, the father, she's out there throwing this bag away. Murph, inside the trash, police found empty clear capsules with a white residue believed to be fentanyl, a clear straw with a white residue to be f- believed to be fentanyl, and the Pollo Tropical bag. Yep, there you go. Yeah, you just got to love it when a story comes together, don't you? Gets better. Good. So what do police do? Police being police and decide to do policing. They arrest Hunter and Jolicure at the hospital. Mm-hmm. Murph, when you arrest somebody, um, what do you normally do when you arrest somebody? Cuff them and read them their rights. What else do you do? So you search them. Uh-oh. What police we found 5.2 grams of fentanyl in a clear Ziploc bag in the baby diaper bag at the hospital. Oh, see, that that alone is enough to just... I know we don't beat prisoners in our country, but boy, these two deserve a good beating. Hunter later said she knew about the heroin, admitted to throwing out the trash bag with some of the evidence, including the heroin. She said she became scared and panicked. She admitted to using heroin earlier in the night, just before calling 911. So uh, the boyfriend faces charges of child neglect, causing great bodily harm and possession of fentanyl. So the baby is stable at the at the time of this report. Uh, baby is stable at the hospital, taken to Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital for further treatment. Hunter faces charges of child neglect, causing great bodily injury, possession of fentanyl, and tampering with physical evidence. That's the woman. Uh, 
uh, both appeared in court Wednesday morning. So uh, I don't have an update on this because sometimes, you know, out there, the initial reporting and then they don't follow up with them. So, Mm -hmm. but um, uh, there's no doubt uh, in my mind, there is no doubt that child services is going to remove that child from the custody of both of these nitwits. Yep. And, and, you know, we've seen pictures. There's pictures online that you can look up uh, where there'll be a child in a car and the parent or whoever the adult is in the car sitting behind the wheel is on the nod because they just injected heroin or smoked heroin or something with fentanyl in it. And one of the first things that happens when you take that kind of uh, heroin is you you nod off. You actually fall asleep there for about uh, just a few minutes. It's not If it goes five minutes, that's kind of a long time. But here they're passed out with a needle still in their arm and the baby's in the back seat in the car seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just breaks your heart. Yeah, I was, I was pulling up her name, and there's a bunch of stories. Basically, Boca couple arrested, um, um, baby revived with Narcan, two charged after seven-month-old, uh, not overdoses, is poisoned on fentanyl. I, I still have my running. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I had to nuke somebody on Twitter because they pretended there's some— I, I get it. There's some person in education, but their Twitter handle says, I have a two master's degree in this and I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't. So I copied Derek Maltz and DEA. I said, you know, hey, look, we would assume DEA is the ultimate authority on, uh, you know, these drugs and stuff like that. So here's what DEA said, you know, so, you know, just, I don't get, you know, I'm, I don't could care two shits. By the way, Murph, speaking of the Christmas season, there's a certain amount of fucks available. I've already run out of them. <laughs> Uh, you've been out shopping, haven't you? Oh. <laughs> I did that today. <laughs> I have zero fucks left to care about what people, you know, they, they would rather debate. Well, you shouldn't say that because it's like, um, it, it creates a negative inference. You know what? Here's the problem. Unless you call it out for directly what it is, which is poisoning, you say overdose, and it makes it sound like, well, if I'm just Keith Richards with the Rolling Stones and I just learn how to moderate, um, you know, my use of heroin and cocaine, I'll be fine. I mean, as long as I moderate, it can be safe, right? There is no such thing. There is no such thing as a safe amount of fentanyl when it's been put into a pill or mixed into a powder. Um, it's not an overdose. It's a po- by the, How do we know it's a poisoning? Because think about this, Murph. If I gave you, if you, if you went home right now and you took ten aspirins and you had a, you had a bad reaction and they take you to the hospital, what what crime could they charge you with for taking ten overdosing on ten aspirins? Yeah, nothing. Nothing, right? But you get a Schedule II drug that only licensed medical professionals mm-hmm. are supposed to be in possession of, and now you e- illegally obtain that, and now you put that into a pill. To me, that sounds like a felony. Oh, absolutely. Especially when we're having, what, upwards of 300 uh, overdose-slash-poisoning deaths per day. Per freaking day, not per year, per day in our country. Just here in the United States alone. Thank you, China. Thank you, Mexico. Yeah. You know, that, that that person that has the two master's degree, God bless you. you. You know, you got a great education there, but you have no common sense and you have Zero. no practical experience. Please don't offer advice until you get some. Yeah, I didn't want to say, look, I've probably made a few arrests for drugs, you know, um, not as many as uh, somebody I know, maybe named Murphy and, uh, you know, Maltz and other stuff. So, um, and even in some of the uh, 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 press releases and stuff, Loudoun County Sheriff, because this mm-hmm. person goes, well, they, they, the law, local, you don't know, local law enforcement doesn't use poisoning. We just had freaking Mike Sheriff, Mike Chapman on our podcast. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. You know, in fact, uh, almost everybody we have on our podcast is current or former law enforcement. Not everybody, but most. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but by the way, don't, don't tell Derek Maltz it's an overdose. (laughs) (laughs) I I tell you what, man, he's fantastic. You got to love that guy. He doesn't give a crap what anybody thinks about him. He's going to say what's on his mind and he's doing the right thing. When he tested, do you remember that clip I showed you where he testified before Congress and he basically took that congressman yeah. to the woodshed? Well, you can't say stuff like that. Well, he's stupid, you know? <laughs> he didn't quite say that, but that was the inference, you know? Oh, everybody got it. Everybody got the message, including yeah, Everybody got it. Oh, my God. Oh, dude, I, I got to tell you. So this is, uh, this was, you know, I, I got to tell you, um, I'm trying to think of something creative to do with folks like this, but I mean, what else, what else could you do other than charge them? And they have no business with the child. I, I you know, and I, I say that very carefully because it is, you, you got to be very careful about taking kids away from their parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be very careful about that. So, you know, this is not a willy nilly thing that you do. In fact, uh, 
one of the last homicide cases I worked was a mother who shook her baby to death. Mm. Um, she had other kids, but she had this baby by another guy. But, um, and the question, her, one of her questions was, you know, are you going to take my kids away from me? And no, I mean, first of all, this was, I don't want to say this is an isolated incident, but we, we understood what it was. Um, but no, her other kids were not at risk. And so, so it was, there was no interest in taking her kids away. They could have stayed with parents if she gets arrested, which she ended up getting arrested. Um, uh, but, it, but you got to be very careful before you take kids away. But Murph, this is one we're in a heartbeat. I would have said gone. You know, yeah. you know, and and to our listeners here, I, I know I get a little uh, excited. Maybe <laughs> I get upset about things that happen when bad things happen to children. It really upsets me. When I was a cop, I could handle it. Uh, here in my old age, I guess I'm getting a little bit more cantankerous and and less patience for stupid people like that. But um, you know, when I say take the child away, I'm hoping that there are family members that can take this child and give it an opportunity at life. If not, it really does need to go to another family. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, we all hear horror stories and good stories about foster program, and I think the majority are good people. I think it's just like anything else in our country. The, the media will exploit the worst possible story they can because it generates viewers and listeners, and that's where the advertising dollars come from. So I'm not, uh, Connie and I, even we were going to be foster parents. We enrolled for classes in South Florida. Uh, before we went to Columbia, this was back in the early 90s, probably like 1990. And then I found out I was getting transferred to Columbia and we for, had to go forego those plans. Um, so I'm not indicting the foster care program. I'm, I'm a very appreciative that there are people out there willing to do that. But man, it just, uh, so if, if I if I made you uncomfortable by some of the statements I said, I, I, I started to say I apologize, but I really don't because that's the way I really feel. Yeah. Uh, just somebody's got to look out for these children. And, you know, and if not us who, and, and like I say, you got to be very careful. But I'll tell you what, though, well, I, I just tried looking for other stuff. And like with anything, most of the stuff, it's the initial call that makes the news. But then the follow up, we don't have a lot of information on if right. they've been convicted. And quite frankly, since this happened in March, you know, it, it takes a while for stuff to move through the criminal justice system. So, but I'm going to assume yeah. that that child is in protective custody um, and not anywhere near those two um, morons. Well, God bless that little baby. God bless the little baby. Did nothing wrong. Did absolutely nothing wrong. Absolutely. All right. Ready for this next one? Because this next one, Murph. I hope it's funny. <laughs> well, it's funny in a way because let me tell you, you're not going to see this one coming. Okay. Trust me. All right. Trust me. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm, Call I'm number two. Here we go. Down, shutting up and holding on. Nine one one. Where's your emergency? <laughs> Hello. Actually, I'm going to stop that for a second. I forgot to tell you this happened again. This is another current call, January of twenty three, this year, in Williamsburg, Virginia. So I'm I'm taking one for the team here. This is a Virginia case. You ready? <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's get back. I'm going to go ahead and mute Nine one one. Where's your emergency? <laughs> Understand what you're saying. This is 35. This is 35. Yes, go Deli. You're at Paul's Deli. Yes. And this is 35. Yes. What does that mean? Michael lost my badge number. You did what? My badge number. But your badge number is 35. Yes, Michael Rusk, R-U-S-K. And what's wrong? I shot Sergeant Gibson. Do what? I shot Sergeant Gibson. You shot Sergeant Gibson? Yes. How did you do that? Let me see, let me see, let me see, Sergeant Gibson. I pulled a gun on him. Can you advance on me? That and you're in Paul's Deli. Yes, in the city of Williamsburg. Is he breathing? He's gonna fall out. I'm okay. dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. Okay, where did you shoot him? I'm dying. 
Right you shot him in his arm? Yeah. And you're inside. Okay, I need you to take a deep breath for me, okay? Is he breathing? Is he breathing? I'm trying to save his life. Okay, take a deep breath because if he isn't, we need to start CPR. I'm trying. Where are you at in Paul's deli? Hey, where are you at I'm in Paul's trying, deli? I'm trying to start CPR. Okay, where are you at? One of you all, I need you to come over here, please. One of you all, I need you to come here, please. And you're in Paul's deli? Come here, come here. I need you to take the door at him. Hurry. 30, 30 compressions to two. Start taking your compressions. One. Are you two, behind three, Paul's four, deli? Five. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Is someone doing CPR? What was that? Or is someone doing CPR? Yes. Hey, hey. Where is the weapon? Where is the weapon? Start CPR. Start CPR. Who are you talking to? I have a gun on me. Where? Here, here. You have it. You have it. Is there an officer there? Hey. I'm a giant kitty. I'm a big kitty officer. Start throwing him. One, two, three, four. Are, are you okay, Chris? Start on him. God damn it. Start on him, please. Please, please. Start on him. Please, start on him. Hey, are they doing CPR, sir? Have they started? Hey, can you tell if he's breathing? I can't tell. <laughs> I can't tell. Do you see any Wandsburg officers? Do you see the Wandsburg officers? Sir. Yes. Do you see the officers? Yes, they're on scene. Okay, I'm going to let you go. What's your name again? Michael Ross or USK. They're starting PBR. How did you shoot him? What do you mean? I'm dead, dead up. He wasn't supposed to be dead. I was. Oh, no. He kept going. He kept me going. I kept going. I told him this. Oh, he kept going. I thought he was going to rape me. I thought he was going to rape me. Help me. Help I'm with you. Okay, okay. I know an officer here. I know an officer here. I'm going. Here he's going. I'm going. Holy freaking cow! What the hell was that? Uh, well, I'm going to just tell you right now. Alcohol was involved. <laughs> I'm 35. Was that how old you are? Is that your IQ? That's it. <laughs> so these are two James City's police officers. Um, James City County police officers, uh, and they had been out drinking. A patrol officer named Michael Rusk with his sergeant Christopher Gibbon. Oh, that was a cop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two cops. Oh my gosh! One cop shot the other. And hey, fortunately, just let me just tell you, um, not giving anything away. Um, uh, the, the sergeant was wounded, but he survived. So no, nobody dies in this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry, but damn. Uh, I've been around a lot of drunk cops. I've never seen anybody act like it. Well, th it's interesting. So <laughs> it was hard to hear some of that. Even the dispatcher was about to break out laughing. But here's, so here's, here is the one statement that kind of sets the stage for all of this. At the very end, he says, I thought he was going to fucking rape me. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, it's, it's in the transcript, so you have to, and I heard it, I've, I've listened to this a couple, trust me, you can only listen to some of these calls a couple times, and it's like, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. Oh, I believe you. Yeah. So, and, and both of these qualify tonight. Oh my God, yes. I'm going to definitely need a case of beer after this one. I did get some new beer in, so I'm going to have to give it a try. Maybe I'll try my new Hercule Poirot Stout. Um, there you go. By the way, for those of you who are watching... 
Oh, I forgot we're doing this on video. <laughs> People think I'm an idiot. Yeah, that's okay. This is my new Hercule Perrault stout. I'm going to have to have some of this. Hercule Perrault, the great Belgian detective. Hey, that's I, called Hercule. Hercule. Don't let's not even go there. You want to talk about Pollo Tropical? It's Hercule. Okay. Yeah, but are you 35? That's why it's Pollo Tropical. What? Are you 35? I'm 35. I'm 35. Well, so you might ask, so the real question is, how did we get to this? How did we get to the point where a police officer shoots his supervisor? Oh, my God. Well, I did hear him say he kept pushing me, he kept pushing me. Um, you know, <laughs> I had no idea these were two cops. They do not deserve to be cops. Well, this this is going to get interesting. So the call was made in the wee hours of January 25th from outside a bar on Scotland Street in Williamsburg. That's when James City County Officer Michael Rusk is accused of shooting Sergeant Gibson. Now, um. He says, and so when you go into the transcript, it's hard to hear this, but he does in the transcripts. He says, I pulled a gun on him because he was fucking advancing on me. So what has been going on? So they have video from the scene. Murph, I'll have to send you a link after this. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll post it in the notes here. It shows. So let's say you and I go have a beer or coffee. You know, you're the snitch, so you're going to have ginger ale. So I'm having a beer, you're having ginger ale. And you're in a bar and they have tables. How would guys normally sit? Um, across, across from each other, not next to each other. <laughs> so after a heavy night of drinking, um, Officer Rusk is on one side, Sergeant Gibson is on the other. Sergeant Gibson gets up, walks around, and sits down next to Officer Rusk. Hmm. And then he starts reaching over and grabbing his hand and trying to pull it onto his leg. All right. I guess neither one of them got lucky before they got to the restaurant, huh? Well, um, so this goes back a ways. This goes back about a year. Um, the, at first, the, some of the people wrote it off as a superior looking after a subordinate, said Jason Rusk, is the Michael Rusk's uh, father. Um, but as it pans out over the course of a year, um, Rusk had been saying that his sergeant had been making, he'd been getting groomed. He'd been making unwanted sexual advances about a year prior to the shooting, including there was inappropriate touching, the stalking, the grooming, including coming by. Uh, Goodson would just show up out of nowhere on streets where Michael's girlfriends lived. Very strange behavior. Did he did did Michael report this on up the chain of command? We're um, there. Yes, there had been some things that were said, um, and that's that's why it gets into there's. Uh, I'm, I'm getting get into the court docs here in just a second, but the initial report. So we're just going to go off the initial report. Mm -hmm. So um, I told him no, and he just kept going. I told him to stop. He kept going. I thought he was going to rape me. So uh, that's what he said on the call. So um, at first they're sitting across from the table. Then Gibson moves around the other side. So he's sitting next to us. That's when Gibson reaches for Russ's hand under the table. The advance is met with hesitation from the younger officer. And then they're leaving the bar just about an hour before the shooting. Gibson puts his hand on Russ's shoulder. Uh, Russ pushes him forcefully off and puts a finger in his face before walking away. And then this keeps escalating and escalating till they get to the point to where, you know. Now, according to his attorney, he said, look, if this were a female, the issue of self-defense, it'd be a non-issue. Mm -hmm. So you get into some strange things going, was he in fear of being assaulted, of being, you know, um, quote, you know, sodomized? Right. Um, so. So they, so what happens is, you know, with something like this now, um, uh, he was put on unpaid administrative leave pending the outcome of the investigation. So you turn the investigation over. So it's being conducted by Williamsburg police. I happen to know the chief down at Williamsburg. So next time I run into him, I'm going to have to ask him, uh, how, how's this going? Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the court docs for a second, because there is a lot of, uh, stuff that is being said, you know, being done. So. There, you know, there's there's always two sides to everything, right? So, um, the James City County police officer seriously accused of hurting, hurting a sergeant told police officer he did so after the sergeant got angry over access 
here we go. After he did, after the sergeant got angry over access to location tracking software on his phone, Michael Rusk uh, is facing uh, charges in connection to this. So a uh, search warrant uh, obtained is now shedding even more light on what led up to the shooting. The search warrant states that on the night of the shooting, Rusk told the investigating officers that Gibson had gotten mad because he wanted Rusk to give him access to tracking software on his phone, and Rusk refused. Mm. So like that, uh, was it three something three sixty life three sixty, and then you know, or like you know, uh, find my iPhone or friends and family mm -hmm. during that other stuff. Um, so during an interview with Rusk, there were co text calls, screenshots of messages and pictures on his phone from Gibson. Um, they asked for the information, obviously, to help establish a motive for the shooting. Um, and the Rusk's father said he had witnessed Gibson following Rusk prior to the shooting. Michael would be traveling around with a girlfriend or visiting us with his girlfriend, and Gibson would appear. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, starting to lay down the, uh, the framework for uh, a motive. Well, it does. And so he would just show up out of nowhere on streets, and he would say, I see you're hanging out with so-and-so again. I was like, how could he have known that? Well... Because that's why he wanted access to that tracking software. Now, um, he is on Gibson is on paid administrative leave, or it was during this time, pending an internal affairs investigation. Um, but he is he won't respond to uh, any comments. Hmm. So, anyway, so um, what happened was so let's we'll, we'll talk real quick about this too. Um, responding officers took Rusk into custody at that time and took Gibson to the hospital for treatment of three gunshot wounds. He was shot three times, not once. Wow. One bullet grazed his cheek, one entered his shoulder, and the other tore a hole in his abdomen. So, yeah, he got he got shot up uh, pretty good. So, um, he was charged uh, with malicious wounding, use of a firearm and commission of a felony, and discharging a firearm within city limits. Uh, he's in the care of his parents right now, and so he was uh, allowed to bond out of jail and stay with them. Um, now, this is this is where it gets interesting. So, with Russ being charged as the assailant, surveillance footage and dispatch records. Now, you start putting this all together, indicate mm -hmm. that Rusk may have been defending himself from the aggressive sexual advances of his uh, superior officer, Sergeant Gibson. So, um, this is where you know this is where you've got the surveillance footage. There's no doubt Rusk shot Gibson because number one, he admits to it. Number two, they've got the forensics, they've got the weapon, you know, they've got video, they've got all of this stuff. So, um, so now the so the thing you start looking at is how would this be handled, right? So this, you know, normally we talk about blue, you talk about blue on blue. It's like we had a I don't know if you were around Murph. I don't know if yeah, you probably were. You remember up in Maryland when that undercover, um, I think, uh, Prince George's police officer by in Montgomery County was shot and killed by another cop during an operation? Yeah, yeah I do. Yeah. Yeah. I just, that's blue on blue. That's, you don't, you don't want that. You don't want um, that. That's why you go to such great extents to de-conflict things so that you don't have people showing up. Well, yep. this, is an in this is an intentional blue on blue, you know? So, um, uh, I'm just looking here real quick. So, um, you so they start talking about, you know, some of the other things they could do. So I'm just looking at a couple of the additional things here, but look, here's what it boils down to is that he's going to be, uh, he's, he's been charged. It's going to take away, it's going to take a while to wind this thing through court. And while it's winding through court, you know, he's on unpaid administrative leave, which basically means, uh, he can't work. So, uh, this, so this happened in January. So on March 15th, he was, uh, indicted on one count of aggravated malicious wounding and one count of using a firearm in the commission of a felony. Mm -hmm. So that's what his current charges are right now. So is there any uh, description, physical description of these two guys? Um, well, I'm seeing the pictures. I don't, but they both, well, and when you see the video, they both look, uh, it looks like Gibson is a little bit bigger than Rusk. Gibson looks a little bit heavier, mm -hmm. you know, bigger, and Rusk is a little bit smaller. So if, you, if you're thinking of like a... Uh, uh, a power dynamic. Gibson, not only would he have rank, he would appear to have size, so he would have a couple of those dynamics um, working for him at this point. Mm -hmm. And I notice you're using Al Gore's amazing internet. What are you finding? Uh, it's running slow tonight, so... Well, that's because you're, you're in Orlando. Everything's slow down there. Oh, come on. It, they want me to subscribe to this website. Nah, you don't have to subscribe. Go to the next one. There you go. Okay. Yeah, there's, I mean, what happens is there's a lot of stuff um, um, 
that goes on early on, but then you have you have hearings, so you're going to have you know preliminary hearings. Uh, the, and the question is, will they go? So they ordered a mental health evaluation for James Rusk. Um, mm-hmm. And here's the other thing too: he, when he got out on bond, it was only a ten. Here's here's the bond for shooting uh, malicious wounding, you know, using a firearm in a felony. But Murph, when you shoot another, you're a cop, but you shoot another cop, you would think that you might have a fairly high bond. Well, yeah. It was only $10,000. Holy cow. I mean, that's what? like a shoplifting bond. Well, but what I'm saying is, what does that tell you? Well, it makes you think that the magistrate setting the bonds thinks that there's more to this than meets the eyes initially. Yeah, bingo. So, um, you know, we're looking at what's going on. There's a lot of stuff, uh, you know, that has popped up here, but uh, it still has not, it does not look like it has made its way to court. Um, it's still, you know, these things take a long time. April looks like about one of the last updates. So um, they do have uh, something, you know, uh, an update from July, but it's basically just an article about what happened. So not a lot of stuff lately, um, but there is security video. But there is video showing um, uh, when Gibson was uh, approaching him in the bar and then approaching him outside, too. Yeah. Yeah, and I finally found the pictures here. So I see what you mean about the sergeant being a little bit, appears to be a little bit bigger or a little bit heavier. Yeah. So what do you think? uh, You know what? Um, We usually don't talk about this to the public, but cops get in fights with each other. You know, and usually it's it's not reported. It's done, you know, outside in a back alley or wherever. And when it's over, it's over. Um, it, since it, I mean, this guy was completely out of control. Rusk was out of control when he made the phone call. So I don't know how much he's had to drink. You said alcohol plays a big role in this. Well, yeah, a big role. I mean, uh, I didn't, you know, we're, we're not going to get, if this were a homicide and they did the uh, postmortem, you know, and you, and you had the autopsy, you might get blood alcohol results. But here, a lot of that is because the victim is still alive and this is, you know, you're in an active criminal case. They're not going to release a lot of that information right now. And Virginia is notorious. You cannot get. I mean, I tried on a couple of things that I was working on, tried to get uh, information on cases that had been adjudicated already, and I still could not get it. Hmm. Yeah, so it's, uh, I've never been in a situation like this. Uh, you know, I can see a fist fight breaking out, but I, 38 years as a cop, I never pulled my gun on another cop. Man, uh, that's, I mean, we, we know some stupid things have happened, but so, but think about this. So now, now you're the city, how are you going to handle this? First of all, it's like hands off. I mean, that's why you bring Williamsburg and it's like, we are not touching this. We're not investigating it. Um, it is interesting though, that, um, again, it goes back to, so there's two, they're kind of leaves. There's two kinds of leaves, right? There's administratively, but there's paid and unpaid. Right. So obviously, uh, Rusk is the aggressor. Uh, he fired the shots. He's on unpaid, but Gibson is on paid administrative leave. Now, how long could that go on? Something like this could go on during the entire pendency of the criminal case or until they complete the internal investigation. But right. again, we're not getting much information on the internal investigation right now. Yeah. <clears throat> and you know what? In a case like this, they're probably going to let that continue on through to the to the final adjudication hearing, whether it's a trial or whatever it is. Because they can't play, they don't want to appear to be playing favorites against one or the other because that can lead to lawsuits. You know, if the, you know, if they side with Rusk and then all of a sudden he's found guilty by a jury, well, then, you know, the Sergeant Gibson's got grounds for a lawsuit against the city. Right. So, I mean, this, this is one of those things. So let me ask you, Murph, you know, because you, you talked about a couple of your guys got involved in shootings. How would you, I mean, just walk me through, you got, I, we talked about it before you got those calls where you guys were involved, uh, your MET team, or your, uh, I'm sorry, not your MET team, but your, uh, what were those teams called you, that you ran down in uh, Atlanta? The Strike Force. Yeah, the Strike Force. But what were they called? Met, were they MET teams or? Oh, yeah. The first time I was there, that was the mobile enforcement teams. Yeah, the MET teams, right. So when your guys got involved in a shooting, you get that call. I mean, it's like, okay, my guys shot a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Walk me through if the conversation would have been one of our agents just shot another agent because they were both drunk at a bar. <laughs> well, you know, if you get that call, it's probably going to be in the middle of the night. And it's going to wake you up. <laughs> and it was, as in this case, these calls, these things never happen at four o'clock in the afternoon or three oh, no. in the afternoon. No. I mean, your first your first inclination is going to be, 
what? <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Why are you screwing with me in the middle of the night? But once you realize it's, you know, something serious, you know, it's going to be, um, all right, give me all the particulars. Where are you? Where did this happen? Where are they now? What's the status of the person that got shot? What hospital's he in? Uh, who's responded? What agency's in charge? Uh, don't do anything. I'll be right there. Yeah, don't do anything. <laughs> it's oh, it's just what a nightmare. I can't imagine getting a call like that. I mean, I've got I've gotten the early morning calls where my guys have had to shoot somebody, and it's it's even then it's it's uh, it gets your adrenaline pumping right away, you know. And, and the first thing you want to know is are all the good guys okay? Yeah, you know. And then once you once you know that, then that relieves a little bit of tension and stress, but. I can't imagine this. I, I, you could have floored me when you told me it was two cops. I, mean, I just had no well, But when you listen to the first part of that call, this is 35. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to just hear that first part again. Here we go. 911, where's your emergency? <laughs> Hello? I almost think it's like a secret agent. Remember that one story we did about this is Agent Penis. You know, I'm looking for Agent you know, I got I got a quick story. I'm not going to name the guy because he's about one of my very best friends. But there was some training going on at Quantico, and they were teaching how to do the a snake. We called it the snake entry, and that's a six man team that's lined up in a line like you see in the movies. And mm-hmm. and typically the leader of the, of the raid is number four. So you got one, two, three, four, five, six. And usually the, the boss or whoever's calling the shots will be in the number four position. Okay, so you got your doorman on number one, then you got your first two guns, and then you got the guy calling the shots, and then two more guys. <laughs> so the way you do this is you is you tap up on the guy in front of you, and then it kind of goes down the line. You have number six taps on five and all the way up to number one, and then you know you're ready to go. And you're ready to go as a team. You go, I mean, you're right. It's this asshole to elbow when you're going in on this. And <laughs> so my buddy was in the number four position. <laughs> And they and they're just standing there, and he didn't realize the position he was in, and they kept saying, "Call it out, call it out," you know, and and they just kept standing there. My buddy's really big; he's a big man, and uh, they finally looked at him and said, "You're number four, call it out." And he stands there, and looks at everybody, and goes, "I'm number four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he laughs about it too. I love you to death, brother, but uh, that is so funny. <laughs> That's why I'm not putting your name out. I'm number four. So this is kind of reminiscent of that. I'm I'm 35. Sounds like something from Stripes. I state your name. I state your name. (laughs) I'm 35. I don't want to get any older. I want to be 22 again. Oh, And and look, folks, we're not... Yeah, we are laughing at this because, number one, this is just pure (laughs) stupidity. And we're saying this about cops. Pure stupidity. Number two, alcohol and weapons, not a good mix. Never, 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 never. And that doesn't mean that you can't carry a weapon and have a drink or two. But if you plan on getting shit-faced, bad Mm -hmm. things happen. And we've seen this happen at all levels of law enforcement. People go do stupid things when they've had too much to drink and they happen to have a sidearm with them. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you've been to police functions where, let's say, a competition shooting match. Or, or you know what, even for qualifications. Like, we'd go for qualifications, and then if you had the afternoon qualification, we'd probably all go afterwards and get, you know, beer and wings. And it's a good camaraderie builder. That's how you get to know different people, and, and you build up those relationships. But the first rule is all weapons stay in the cars. You know, they're, they're going to be loaded because you're back out on the streets, you're off the range, but nobody brings a weapon in on that. That's <laughs> stupid. Oh, you guys, you, y'all just set a new uh, level of stupidity. Uh, professionally, and the sad thing is it makes us all look bad. Well, and here's the thing, too. So now think about this. A couple minutes left here. This is going to be one of the most unique cases. Think about this. This is a, this is grooming behavior this sergeant is doing. He's driving by. He's trying to manipulate him. He's trying to have control over him. He wants access to his tracking software on his phone. He drives by where his girlfriend is. He shows up, you know, where he's not expected and where he's not wanted. And then they go out and they have drinks. So he's already got a superior subordinate relationship with him. So he's in a position of power. And like you saw, he's a little bit bigger. You know, think about how this is going to play out in a jury. Because mm-hmm. if I, I'm, I'm telling you, as bad as it sounds, but if I were Officer Michael Rusk, I would take this to trial. 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, I mean, uh, this sergeant is showing absolutely no leadership skills whatsoever. <clears throat> he knows that this, this young officer is heterosexual, not homosexual, because he's been following him and his girlfriend. And he's, he's tried to make advances on him before, and the guy keeps, you know, pushing him away. I'm just surprised that uh, Russ, I, I, I don't know why he just didn't get, I would have, I'd have been shoving this guy and, and we'd have been, we'd have gone to fisticuffs. It, yeah. I might've just decked him and then walked away and said, yeah, but, um, yeah. So here's, here's this, here's some questions to ask about this. Number one is did Rusk ever report this internally? So, you know, right. but they're not going to release that information because right? that's going to be part of the investigation. Right. The other thing too, is this is not the first time. Good point. And why are you out running around with him? Yeah. And so, and see, so, but that's going to be, that's going to be a prosecution point. Well, you were so afraid of him. You went out and had beers with him. And then the defense is going to say, Hey, look, he was a sergeant. He was threatening him. He felt like he had no other choice. But my, but my point is if Gibson did this to him, who else has Gibson done this to? So right. now you start getting a pattern of behavior and you start saying, this is not the first time. And then maybe you find somebody. Mm -hmm. Hey, and I will tell you, this is not too far fetched. Um, it's public record now. I'm not going to use the names because it, it doesn't matter. Um, but um, there was somebody who used to be a jailer in Finney County and then became an animal control officer. And uh, he, one of the one of the people we knew that was gay, um, he was, this guy went over to this guy's house one time on the pretext of an animal complaint. This was out in the county. Mm -hmm. And things went to shit and he sprayed the guy with mace and tried to do forcible sodomy and it didn't work. Well, Rather than going to trial, the animal control officer, this person ended up committing suicide. Um, wow. But when, you, but the thing is, when you go back and take a look at it, not the first time something like this happens. So if you know if you're willing to use mace, you know, on somebody at that time it was mace, not OC, it was CS gas. But if you're willing to do that, you go, you start. My first question is, okay, it's like it's like serial killers. That you know, this usually isn't their first kill. You know, where else does this happen, right? So, is serial right. is this guy a sexual predator? It is is one of his things that he preys upon young impressionable officers like this. I, I can tell you, when I was young, um, if a sergeant said, "Hey, let's go have a beer. I want to talk to you," I'm going to go, "Okay, okay, Sarge." You know, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, you're like, you know, so maybe that's the case here. But yeah, but man, I'll tell you what. But if the dude would have reached, yeah, that would have been. Um, uh, that would have been <laughs> the beginning of a physical confrontation. <laughs> uh, I would have I would have explained in forcible ways uh, never to do that again. Uh, because guess what? You don't do that to women. And guess it's the same thing. You don't do that. You don't make unwanted advances on people. Yeah. And I, I'm looking up to see if I can see how many officers they have. I know Williamsburg is not a major city. You know, it's not a, it's not a metropolis. So I'm going to guess that this police department is not that large. I can find the chief's name, but I can't find uh, the, I find the divisions and the units, but I'm not seeing how many officers they have. Uh, Department, uh, James City uh, County Police has more than 100 sworn officers. Okay. So, again, not, not a major department, but... Not a, I mean, it's a, it's a decent department. Um, mm -hmm. uh, only 6% of all departments in the United States have 100 or more officers. So, they're in the top 6%, but they're at the very wow. bottom of that 6%. You know, they're just... Yeah. yeah. I don't know, man. I'd hate to be the chief. Have to deal with this. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, man. As I was getting promoted up through the ranks, and then you know, goofy things happen. And and uh, as much as I love police, they don't always make the right decisions on on just just a little administrative things or just common sense things. And you sit back, and all of a sudden, now I'm I'm up off answering to my boss as to why one of my people did something, and I'm thinking. You know, before all I had to worry about was me getting myself in trouble. <laughs> now I got all these other people getting me in trouble. <laughs> now I got somebody two states away and my boss is asking me, why did this guy do this? I have no idea there, boss, because oh. I was asleep and I wasn't there, you know? Oh, you're not kidding. That's why, you know, I had, after this happened several times, the first thing you do is you tell your troops, anything that goes wrong, I'm the first person you call. That's I'm right. the first person that needs to know what's going on because I'm the one that's going to have to explain this on up the chain of command. And everybody understood, you know. I mean, I'm not complaining about those guys. They did when they when they did something goofy. I told them, if you make a mistake, and I, I'll tell you anybody this today, if you make a mistake, own up to it and learn from it. If you make the same mistake again, now we got a problem. 
But the first mistake, let's figure it out. We'll work through it. Yeah, don't compound the first mistake by not telling me about it. You know, oh yeah, tell me. Yeah, because you know, undeserved ass chewings are never fun. No, and look, bad news is not like wine; it does not get better with age. So, <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> All right, well, let's bring this. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm 35. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be going to sleep tonight with that in my brain. I'm going to tell my buddy that what I was telling you about the story number four, I'm going to tell you. Send this one to him. Say, hey, you're number four. This guy was 35. Uh, you got to laugh at some of this stuff. Oh my! Well, hey, let's uh, nothing. Something that is not anything to laugh at is our appreciation for you guys for hanging in there with us. We want to thank you guys. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you once again. You give us two things: time and money. We can always replace money, but never time. So this is for you, all of you players out there. Evil uh, is coming, uh, Guardian of the Realm and Warden of the Throne. This is us saluting you. We thank you so much for doing this, right, Murph? Absolutely, and and I apologize that I'm sitting here in a. It's not a raggy T-shirt. No, it's I'm not. I'm proud it's, of the flag. It's the blue yeah. line flag. But had I known this was, I didn't know we were doing this on video. Had that, had I known that, I would have put on something a little bit nicer. But this is Murph. This is the way it is, everybody. This is the way it is. All right. Hey, well, guys, and this is the way it is on this date, December third, twenty twenty three. Thank you, guys, once again for playing the biggest, baddest, most dangerous game of all—the I'm number thirty five <laughs> game of crimes. 